the SBI show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivis Kolarsep, and June is almost over, and July is almost here. And you know what that means? It means a lot. It means the CONCACAF Gold Cup. It means the Olympics and the U.S. Women's National Team. And it means a ton to talk about, including MLS. Obviously, we'll get into MLS as well. Uh, we're back. We have a special guest on this episode of the SBI Show, episode 306. And joining us today, none other than former World Cup goal scorer, U.S. men's national team midfielder, and American-born patriot, and soon to be again, hopefully, U.S. men's national team player, Julian Green. He joins us from Germany. Uh, and he has so much to talk about. Promotion to the Bundesliga. Working working his way back up to the Bundesliga. Working his way back to the men's national team, U.S. men's national team, after a couple of years away. Uh, so much more. We'll get into so much more. We had, a, we had a really good chat, really good conversation with Julian. And uh, funny enough, uh, for those who don't know, obviously, you know, his, his family's from Florida, from Tampa. His father's from Tampa. He has spent a ton of time. It's like a second home to him, uh, Tampa. And I'm heading to Tampa. I'm actually uh, going on a family vacation. I know the timing of it is not the best because there's a lot going on. I have a lot going on, but you know what? You got to take the you got to take the opportunities when you can when you can when you can take them to to do a little family getaway, family vacation. And you know we're going to do it. We're going to go down to Tampa slash Clearwater Beach. Uh, it's a it's a we usually go over to Clearwater every other year. We try to anyway. Um, my mother lives down in uh, Fort Myers. So, you know, we get to spend a few days with her. So that's going to be great. Looking forward to that. I'm recording this <laughs> this segment of the show uh, just hours from my flight to Florida. Uh, yeah. So as as per usual, I'm, I'm pulling the, the late night hours. But we had to get this episode in the books. Uh, I, was a, I was lucky enough to talk to Julian Green on Monday morning and a great combo. We'll get into that later. But we have to, uh, we have to start things off, kick things off. Uh, talking, talking some Americans abroad, uh, not related to, to Julian Green. We'll get into Julian Green and the U.S. men's national team later on in the show. But first things first, Americans abroad, and we're going to talk about Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, the rumor is, or it was not a rumor anymore. He is uh, he's working on finalizing a deal to Marseille, the the French club. Uh, big move. It would be a great move for De La Fuente. Uh, an opportunity to get to get some some playing time, some first team playing time. Obviously. At FC Barcelona, he, he he didn't you know have that chance really to to get that first team action. And obviously, as great as it is to be at Barcelona and be part of Barcelona and train with the likes of Lionel Messi, at a certain point you need to start getting playing time and playing you know g- developing as a player. And, and it's that time. It's that time for for De La Fuente. And hopefully, uh, they can work out that that deal and he can he can make that move. Uh, whether it's a Loan or full transfer loan with an option to buy, uh, whatever the case may be, you want to see him getting those first team minutes. And I'm sure if you're Conrad De La Fuente and you look at some of the other American teenagers out there, a lot of the American teenagers out there, they're getting playing time. They're playing regular minutes. And obviously, look, those not all of them are at Barcelona, but you know when you when whether you're talking about Yunus Musa, Gio Reyna. You look at MLS now with with all the all the teenagers getting time in, in MLS. Caden Clark, Gianluca Busio, you name it. Uh, there's so many. So there was a point 
when Conrad De La Fuente was kind of the young guy, right? He was the really, really young guy. But now he's just one of several young, uh, teenagers who are trying to work their way up the U.S. men's national team, kind of pecking order the ladder. Uh, and if you uh, if you don't take it, if you don't take the opportunities to start getting first team minutes, you're going to fall behind. And he's falling behind because listen, it's all well and good that you're at Barcelona. It's all well and good that you train with Barcelona and you get to train with Messi and all that. That's all well and good. But if you're not getting minutes, you're losing ground. And other players are playing quite a bit. Brendan Aronson, although I don't think he's a teenager yet. I don't have his I don't have his birth date in front of me, but Brendan Aronson, perfect example, another player. He's doing really well, obviously, and, and really 2021, he's really hit the ground running and establishing himself with the national team. So if you're Dela Fuente, you want to make that move. And that's great to see. And because um, you don't want to see teenagers stagnating. You definitely don't. Um, it's funny because American fans in uh, American soccer in general, just like the, it, it, it's a new day because, you know, maybe 10 years ago, you'd just be happy with a player being at Barcelona. A teenager, a teenage American at Barcelona. Hey, he's there. That's great. That's great. We, we should be happy with that. No, now that's not good enough. Now you need to play. You need to be playing. You need to be starting. And if you can't go somewhere else, there's just it's, there's no waiting. There's no waiting. So uh, it, it's great to see. And uh, it, clearly the the bar's been raised. Um, so there, so if you're a young player, you need to move. You need to move. And uh, another player who's looking at. A potential move is uh, Ulysses Yanez, and you know he's been at Wolfsburg uh, in their setup, and and it hasn't really kind of worked for him, worked out for him. And, and I know he went on the loan to to Heron Vane, and that loan did not really work out for him. Wolfsburg, it seems at least at this point, doesn't see him in their plans in, in terms of the first team. They're going to loan him out. Uh, there's talk about him potentially being loaned to Austria. Uh, whether that means the end for him, I mean, I, my impression at least last year was that Wolfsburg liked Yanez and that they saw a future with him, but he obviously needs developing. He need, he, he's a, he's a raw player. He needs games, um, but he can't get first team games at Wolfsburg. Obviously you're talking about a champions league team and, and you know, they're not just going to, um, you know, minute, there are no minutes for him there, but they see him as enough of a prospect that maybe they send him out on loan, continue to try to, to try to see if they can figure it out with him. And I got to say, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned about, Ulysses Yanez, because, you know, he he's such a talented player, but he's really stagnated his this this past couple of years, couple of years, ever since actually since he's he's gone over to Europe. It's uh, it's all well and good to go to Europe. But when you're not when you're kind of stuck and you're not getting games, you're not you know, you're not even kind of getting games with like the second team. You kind of wonder what's going on there. You know, it. it does he need to does he need to come back to the United States? Is that an option for him? Obviously, Yanez uh, came up through the Galaxy Academy. Uh, I'm sure the Galaxy would have loved to have him stay and sign and be a first team player with the LA Galaxy, but he chose to make the move to Europe. Can't knock it. Obviously, more and more Americans are doing that. Um, but if you're one of those players and it isn't working out for you, Coming back to MLS isn't the worst idea in the world, and we've seen we've seen it now. Some 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 players kind of come back and 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 do and try to you know recharge their careers or or get the games they need to to, to keep things rolling. I mean, you know, Emerson Heinemann is one that comes to mind. Obviously, he's been injured now. Keaton Parks is another one who you know came to MLS and now he's kind of found a home here. But someone like you, Ulysses Yanez, he needs to play. He needs to be playing. He's a perfect example. We we're just talking about De La Fuente. Yana is, 
it, it worries me just because I, for me, I mean, I'm a big Giannis fan and, and, and just the glimpses that you see of him, you say to yourself, he has special ability. He has special ability, no doubt about it. But he's also the, a player who, is he going to be one of these players who kind of gets lost in the sauce, right? He just kind of falls by the wayside and it's early still, right? It's it's way too early to, to go writing him off. Don't, don't get it confused here. I'm not I'm not writing him off by any means. I'm just I'm just worried about him losing time. And I think this past year has already kind of felt like lost time for him. So hopefully it works out. Hopefully Wolfsburg can can, can secure a loan for him, and hopefully Giannis's people can work it out and get him put him in a position, put him in a situation where he he can show what he can do and he can just continue to develop and play well. And and I mean I remember I remember sitting with Giannis at U.S. national team camp. I want to say 2020. It was actually where where he made his national team debut. He scored in his debut in California near his hometown. That was all great. And I had a chance to sit with him and he admitted how tough it was when he first went over to Europe and and how he wasn't sure if he made the right decision. And, you know, he fought through that. And, you know, he it took a lot. It took a lot of heart for him to kind of fight through that and battle through that. But now he's continuing to kind of face this adversity and hopefully he continues to, to fight it and finds the, the the situation that will get the most out of out of him because I can tell you what the kid is talented very talented so hopefully hopefully it works out for him because you know he I mean when you talk about wingers and exciting dynamic speedy wingers that could take people on I mean he has the tools so hopefully it works out up next we are going to talk MLS uh, Major League Soccer and uh, I think I said it last episode it might be time just to do a separate MLS podcast Uh, I think that I'm going to try to work that in uh, at at some point um, but maybe not yet but a few of the things we'll talk about we're not going to get into all the 70 games of the past week there were a lot of games for sure a lot of special plays the special moments but I'll just touch on a few. Sporting Kansas City, they're playing really, really well. A lot of credit to Peter Vermees for for what he's done with that group and and particularly what what he's doing with the young players on that group, on that team. And for so long, Sporting KC was a team that was really defined by by the veteran core and, and really the same group of players for a long, long time. When you talk about the Matt Beaslers, Graham Zussis, and, and Roger Espinosa's, who's Roger Espinosa's still part of this setup. Um but there was that kind of nucleus, Sesanovich, uh, that just kind of put in a ton, you know, felt like a decade, right? So now uh, you're seeing kind of Peter Ramiz transition out to this new generation of players. And you look at, obviously, Gianluca Busio, one of the most talented young players in MLS. And he's really, really coming into his own this season. And if you watch Sporting KC play... If you don't know who anyone is, let's just say you kind of just seen them for the first time. Busio stands out. Busio, his quality on the ball, and you, and and for those of you who have followed him over the years, you see it. You really see him kind of understanding things better now, and really developing and getting that comfort level in midfield, that confidence on the ball. Look, he always had skill, right? He always, you know, when you're talking back to the U17 days when him and Giorena were the, the stars of the U.S. under-17 team, he he always had technical ability. He always had that. He could take people on. He had the, you know, dynamic qualities as a young prospect. But now you're seeing his poise and you're seeing the decision-making. And he's not just relying on his ability to take people on and beat them. Now he's obviously playing in a bit of a deeper role. He can play as a box-to-box midfielder now. He can even play deep, 
lying midfielder, which, you know, that that's intriguing to see, especially with what the U.S. men's national team needs in terms of more deep lying options. But he is he's blossoming before our eyes, and it's great to see. And, and I'm hoping to get Peter Vermees on uh, on the show at, at a certain point, and also try to get Gianluca Busio as we get rolling. Now, a couple episodes in, uh, we'll start we'll start reaching out and, and getting some people on. Um, but you know, obviously, it's uh, we're just getting back from a three month layoff, so we do have our guest today. As I mentioned earlier, Julian Green is on, but we will look to get some of the Sporting KC folks on and just talk about the year that they're having and the young players that they that that are just blossoming for them. Daniel Saloy, who's he's still youngish, he's twenty. I think he's twenty four now, but he's coming into his own as well. He, he's the hot, right now. He's the most. He's kind of the red hot striker in the league. No offense to Chicharito because Chicharito's crushing it as well. Obviously, he's I believe he's leading the league in, in goals. But just in terms of the last you know month or so, I, I believe it was when I looked it up. Saloy uh, Shaloy was six goals and two assists in seven matches, something crazy like that. And and he's really been a big big reason why Sporting KC is really kind of rolling right now and closing the gap on the Seattle Sounders. I mean, it just felt like not too long ago when the Sounders like they were running away with the West. They were running away with it in May, in June, early June. But we know how it goes. We know there are swings. We know that that teams kind of get hot, teams get cold. And, and not to say that the Sounders have gotten cold, but uh, they've let up, they've let the foot off the gas a little bit and enough now for Sporting KC to catch up. And if you're someone who tries to watch MLS and tries to find teams to see some who the young kind of up and coming talents are. You got to watch Sporting KC because they have some really promising young players there. When you talk about Jalen Lindsay, another one, uh, another one of the kind of the deep stable of fullbacks uh, in the U.S. men's national team kind of player pipeline. Right back is so crowded that that people don't even talk about Jalen Lindsay, uh, which is kind of crazy. It just shows you how depth, how much depth there is when, you know, start off with Serginio Dest. I mean, that's already setting the bar pretty high. And then uh, Julian Arahu, uh, Reggie Cannon, Aaron Herrera, Kyle Duncan. Uh, you get this <laughs> goes on and on. You're, you're talking about quite a few, quite a few players. But Jalen Lindsay is is a talent, and he's really kind of coming into his own. And I, I gotta say, you know, look, it's no surprise Peter Vermees is a good coach. He's been a good coach. That's not news. But it is refreshing to see him show remind folks that he can develop players. He can develop young players, and he's doing that right now. Felipe Hernandez, another player, midfielder for Sporting KC, really coming into his own now after uh, you know work is working his way up through the pipeline. So KC, they're really crushing it, and they're also fun to watch. So you know if you if you're looking for games to watch, and your MLS team happens to not be playing, watch Sporting KC because they're worth watching. So uh, another team that you might want to watch, another player you might want to start watching is Ricardo Pepe. Of FC Dallas and uh, the young, the, the, another teenager, teenage striker is starting to light it up for FC Dallas. And I want to say for two months, maybe two and a half months, FC Dallas was really, really struggling uh, in terms of the striker position. And, and, and Luchi Gonzalez uh, had it, had to make a decision, right? He had to make a decision on on the striker uh, role, and it wasn't, it, you know, his starting striker was not not getting the job done. And here you have R- Ricardo Pepe who is a really, really talented, really, really talented youngster, uh, obviously a former U.S. under-17 national team striker, part of that same group, if I, if I recall correctly, with Gio Reyna, with Gianluca Busio, uh, obviously a, a 
dual national. He, he's eligible to play for Mexico. Mexico has been in touch in the past. Um, so you have heard that. So he's an intriguing prospect. But now with Frank O'Hara just not getting it done for FC Dallas, here comes Pepe. Two, two out of the past three games, he has scored goals, including two goals to beat the New England Revolution. And that's a good team. New England is one of the better teams in MLS. So if you put two goals on Matt Turner and the Revolution, you are doing something. So, uh, you know, Pepe, he has all the qualities to be to be something special as a striker. But he also happens to be coming along at a time when there are quite a few interesting young strikers for the U.S. men's national team. So if you're Greg Berhalter, I'm sure I'm sure Berhalter pretty much has his plans in place for the Gold Cup. Who he's going to play at striker? Who's he, who he's going to bring in? We talked about it last episode. Obviously, Daryl DK is one you can talk about. Matthew Hoppy is another one you can talk about. Then you have some more veteran names that are on the preliminary Gold Cup roster, like Josie Altador, like Giazzi Zardes. But here is Ricardo Pepe, teenage striker, dual national, starting to score goals, starting to show his quality. And now if you're Greg Berhalter and you look at it and you say, hey, look at this kid. He's dual national. You have a chance to, you know, cap time. Although I will say I, I've never gotten a sense from Greg Berhalter that he's all about the cap time thing in terms of like not trick players, but not try to rush kids into into hasty decisions. Right. They want players to really, really want to commit. So it's not kind of like rushing these players into a decision that they might end up regretting. There's none of that kind of bait and switch action going on where it's like we want to cap time just so we can have him tied up and no one else can have him and I really feel like a lot of fans kind of see it that way a lot of fans are very we got to cap time we got to cap time I don't care what happens it doesn't matter Eunice Musa why didn't we cap time and it's like listen folks at the end of the day yes we all want all these players to play for the United States obviously right but you want that to happen under the right circumstances for the right reasons you want players who really really want to commit players who sit down make their you know weigh their options for the ones who have options and then decide on their own hey i want to play for the u.s i want to play for the united states i i can play for these other countries but i don't care i want to play for america no one's rushing me no one's you know making me making me outlandish promises I just want to play for the United States. And I and I, I give U.S. soccer under the current regime credit for that in that they aren't out here whining and dining players and selling them on these kind of false hopes and dreams about their futures. They they lay it out for them and they, they invite them to camp. Here, come to camp. Check it out. See how you like it. And I've said it so many times before. The U.S. men's national team setup is just a very welcoming setup in terms of the group, in terms of the players, the personalities. Americans in general are more. I want to say in terms of when you're talking about teams and the national team specifically over the years, the sense that I've gotten is that there's it's a real welcoming environment. And once you're in that environment, you kind of more often than not. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to like it. You're going to feel at home and you're going to want to continue to be part of that. And that's why so many players that have had the opportunity end up sticking around, end up making that decision. Yunus Musa is going to play for the United States going forward. He didn't play in the Nations League. He's not technically cap-tied, but he is going to play for the United States going forward. This is this is settled. This is done. This is done deal. He, he's playing for the United States. So Junior Dest, done deal, playing for the United States. Long-winded way to say, Ricardo Pepe, you want him to want to play for the United States. 
And obviously he did it with the U-17s at the Under-17 World Cup. Not a great Under-17 World Cup, mind you. And I know, Pepe, obviously if there was an Under-20 World Cup, Pepe would have been a part of an Under-20 World Cup setup. I know that he was not happy with not making the Olympic qualifying setup, which, you know, you can kind of look at that and say, well, you know, he hadn't really broken through as a first teamer, even though, look, he played in USL and did well in USL. But you get the sense that Pepe wants to play for the United States. So... If you're if you're Berhalter, no, there's no rush. There's no like, oh, if we don't cap time, then Mexico could come and, you know, scoop them up. And there's that continued stigma, right? There's that continued fear about losing, losing out, losing these players, losing a player to Mexico. And, and there's the whole the Jonathan Gonzalez story. Right. I mean, that that's kind of been the one that's that's hung over people's heads. I know. So I know more recently you, you talk about Efren Alvarez, but I mean, Jonathan Gonzalez isn't even in the Mexican setup anymore. I mean, he's his career's kind of hit a crossroads. He he's like trying to keep it together right now. He obviously left Monterey recently. He joined Acaxa. His you know he at the time that he made the decision to play for Mexico, Mexico wined him and dined him. They promised him the they promised him the world to play for Mexico. They gave him the full court press, and he made the decision. He chose to play for Mexico, and you just have to wonder. And I've I've discussed this before, but you have to wonder if he had it to do over again, what would he do? Would he still make that same decision? But you know what? You don't want players to be getting rushed into that. And he didn't have to make the decision when he made it. He didn't. But guess what? The Mexican Federation, they targeted him. They saw him as a, as a win for them, as an opportunity to show how, you know, we're, we're getting one over on, on the United States. But guess what? Here we are. Three years later, he is a non-factor. Not going to the Olympics. He's not in the mix for that. He's not going to the Gold Cup. He's not in the mix for that. He's he's to, he's out of the picture. He's out of the Mexican national team picture. And even if right now, if he was in the U.S., eligible for the U.S., he wouldn't be in the picture for the U.S. either. As much as, yes, defensive midfield, there, there could be more depth there. So you might argue, no, maybe he could be in the mix. I mean, Jackson Ewell's, you know, has has had his struggles. Kellen Acosta, maybe he could be. Maybe. But we'll never know because he rushed into this decision. Because Mexico kind of, in my opinion, it was a little shady what they did. It's a little shady the way they kind of rushed him into a decision that he didn't have to make when he made it. I mean, I remember having conversations with Juan Carlos Osorio about Jonathan Gonzalez and this very idea. Because it was the Federation's, it was the Federation. Uh, And Dennis DeCosta, who's now the Galaxy uh, general manager, they courted Jonathan Gonzalez. And... Here we are. Three years later, he's completely out of the mix. And oh, again, <laughs> I gotta get. I'm still working off working off the rust of not having a show for three months. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to start cutting down these tangents. But again, this is all to say. Going back to the point, you don't want to rush these players. You want them to make the decision that that they want to make and that feels right to them, and that they will that they won't regret. You don't want them to regret. You don't you don't want these players to regret the decision. You want them them to to it to they make the right decision that feels right for them, not be rushed. And for me, Ricardo Pepe, my, by all accounts, I feel like he will play for the United States. Could that change? Who knows? But for me, I feel like he will. Obviously, playing for FC Dallas and all the the ties between FC Dallas and the U.S. men's national team. I mean, you know, Jesus Ferreira obviously has gotten his opportunity. Tanner Testman got his opportunity more recently. Before that, Reggie Cannon. Obviously, Weston McKinney's an alumnus of the FC Dallas Academy. So plenty of ties to the U.S. men's national team. So Pepe, hopefully he's the next one. I I like what I see. I think he's got some real, real, real promise. And I'm sure Mexico is watching, and they're going to say the same thing. Hey, we like this kid. Let's call him into a camp. Let's try to take him away from the United States. 
And at the end of the day, what it comes down to is the player, what the player wants. So hopefully, hopefully he makes that decision. Will he make the Gold Cup team? I don't mm, I don't see it. I don't see it just because, as I said, there's so many strikers in that pool. And I think, again, I, the, I said it last episode, the Gold Cup for me, as much as Greg Berhalter might look at some young players, he might look at a Busio, a Caden Clark, a Kid Cow potentially. I think he's the main focus of the Gold Cup is trying to identify some players who could fill out the World Cup qualifying squad that you're going to need. You're going to need a deep team for that run of qualifiers for three qualifiers in September and October. You need 30 players. You need 35 players. So he's looking for those players to fill that fill out that kind of rotation. So that's why I think for me, you, you probably won't see Pepe in the Gold Cup. But if you do, it'll be great. I, I, I'd be, you know, it'd be exciting if he gets in. But I think there are other options. But his time is going to come. And you know what? Let him get the reps with FC Dallas. Let him establish himself as the lock starter the rest of the way. Help FC Dallas climb out of, you know, the, the hole that they started off the season in. They were in last place. It was already talking about, oh, you know, should there be a coaching change and all that? It's already, you know how it started. It always, it just takes a bad start and, and already the, the the kind of vultures start circling. But FC Dallas is a little different situation. They're, they're you know, as a, a develop, a team that develops players and sells players, like, you know what, they're, they're not, they're not necessarily like a, one of these Atlanta United, LAFC, big spending Seattle Sounders type teams that like they with the money that they put in, they expect to win titles. And not to say FC Dallas doesn't want to win titles, but I feel like I don't feel like Luchi Gonzalez is necessarily just measured and just judged by his bosses by just wins and losses. So, you know, it, but again, that comes with the territory. Hopefully Pepe can help FC Dallas climb out of out of that hole that they're in. And look, he's off to a really, really good start. And now we've rambled on on just a couple of players, uh, a couple of MLS players, but uh, another young player in MLS who's drawing attention from European clubs, George Bello, is, uh, you know, he's obviously established himself now as a starter for Atlanta United and has played well, and he is on the radar with for multiple European clubs and has reportedly been linked to Galatasaray, where DeAndre Yedlin currently plays. And uh, it'd be an interesting move. Obviously, you're talking Champions League. You're talking about a great opportunity. Will Atlanta sell? That's always the question, right? And look, Atlanta United has sold players before, so it's not like they are incapable of selling players. But it's always about how do you can you replace them? What's the price? Will you know? Will they get the right payday? Because it's one thing to sell Almiron for sixteen, eighteen million, whatever they ended up selling them for, and it's an, and it's another thing for some teams coming in trying to lowball on these younger American players. And it's not you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. MLS isn't allowing it. MLS is going to make sure if young players are sold, they're sold for a good price and a good a good uh, sell on clause. That's got to happen. So. I feel like from what I've seen from George Bello, I think he's a he's a perfect example. He for me should be on the Gold Cup team, and I know I'm, I keep bringing up the Gold Cup. Of course, the Gold Cup's coming up. Roster drops in a couple of days. I think when you talk about left backs, you have Sam Vines, you have George Bello. I, I think those are your two. For me, those are your two left backs for the Gold Cup. So we'll see. Perfect opportunity, Bello, to, to put himself in the shop window, go to the Gold Cup, and and show those teams in Europe what. Uh, what he's about so we'll see and uh speaking of mls players potentially going to europe you have a an mls player who is going to europe and that's christian ramirez who was sold to aberdeen by the houston dynamo uh a a deal that's been rumored for quite some time now it got over the line ramirez is heading over to europe and it's uh you know as he noted on social media 
uh, a lifelong dream of his to play in Europe. And, you know, of course, you want to if you have the opportunity, you take it. Uh, he's going to be joining up with Stephen Glass, the the former Atlanta United assistant slash interim head coach, who's now the coach over there. And that's a good opportunity for him. Uh, Ramirez hadn't quite you know, been a consistent starter for, for the Houston Dynamo. So you can understand, look, the Dynamo, uh, they can afford to kind of move him on. And um, I don't know. I've always felt like Christian Ramirez is an underrated player. I just like I think he's better. I think he always kind of had the stigma of of starting out as a lower division player. And that always kind of carried with him, even though everywhere he went, he was able to score some goals. Right. I thought so for that, for me, that showed me like he, this guy can play. He can play at this level. So um, could he have stayed in MLS? Could he have gone to some other MLS team where he you know, could have started and, and, and scored some goals? I think so. But look, Aberdeen, you go there, you get that opportunity and uh, see where you can go from there. And, uh, you know, good luck to him. He's a. Uh, We've we've had him on the show actually, you know, going back quite a bit. I'm trying to remember what team he was on. I think he might have been with LAFC, um, but we had him on a couple of years back, and you know, great guy, you know, just uh, and a great story, obviously, right? I mean, we're talking about a guy who climbed from the lower lower divisions to work his way up to get to MLS, and obviously at Minnesota United, and 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 the, you know, becoming a goal scorer in MLS, showing that he could play at this level. Now he gets to go to Europe, so great story. Um, and if you, I know Houston Dynamo fans might be like, wait a minute, why are we selling players? Well, listen, I would tell you what, Dynamo fans, uh, they have more reason to be optimistic than pessimistic because they have a new owner. They, they have a new owner. And by all accounts, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like the owner, the new owner is going to be very active and is going to really do his part to, to give the Dynamo the resources to really be a contender and to really kind of compete with the bigger teams, the bigger spending teams in MLS. And quite frankly, they haven't been that in recent years. They haven't spent that much money compared to other teams. So, you know, if you're Ted Ramos, obviously Ted Ramos, you know, came over and, and, you know, he's, it's like, he's been kind of dealing, he's been operating with a hand tied behind his back just because he's been coaching a team that doesn't spend that much money. Now we'll see if that changes. And, I feel like the Dynamo have done pretty well to start the season considering, and I said it before the season, I said the Dynamo would be a better team. I thought they improved their roster. Um, and now you look at them, they're currently in sixth place, three wins, five draws, three losses. So, you know, it's kind of middle of the pack, but look, undefeated at home. They got to get better on the road, no question. They haven't won a game on the road yet. But still, again, with the limitations financially, they're doing pretty well for themselves. And hopefully with the new owner now, They'll be able to go get the upgrades to really compete and really take that next step up to the elite level in MLS. Now, moving on to the U.S. men's national team segment of the show. And we have uh, joining us from Germany, uh, a guest, uh, someone who I've wanted to have on, you know, obviously plenty of times in the past. Um, and, it, you know, it's not, it's not always easy. Uh, to get players uh, when they're they're based over in Europe. And, and now, obviously, it's a good time to get him because he's about to start the Bundesliga campaign with Greuther Firth, uh, a team that I was clearly not pronouncing properly. Uh, and thankfully, Julian was able to kind of correct me. And uh, thank you for that, Julian. And, uh, and now we have him on the show to talk about everything under the sun. Uh, and now joining us from Firth is U.S. men's national team midfielder, slash Firth midfielder, slash soon-to-be, again, Bundesliga player, slash former World Cup goal scorer for the U.S. men's national team, and actually the last American to score 
in the World Cup. None other than Julian Green. Julian Green, welcome to the SBI show. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Definitely. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Uh, you're, you're, you're over in Germany getting ready for preseason. Preseason's already underway. It seems like the season just ended and you're already back in preseason. Yeah, true. It's always like the, the, the holidays always, uh, always over very quick, but, um, no problem. I'm, I'm very looking forward to the new season and, um, yeah, right now I still have a couple times, uh, a couple days off, and um, I'm getting ready for the new season. Speaking of vacation, I'm actually about to go on vacation to a place you know pretty well. Uh, I'm heading to Tampa tomorrow, uh, going down for a week to Clearwater in Tampa. Uh, you obviously, you know, spent plenty of time there growing up. Uh, you got to tell me where where do I need to go in Tampa? I heard I heard the fishing is pretty good. I heard you've done you've done pretty well for yourself fishing down there. Um, the fishing is, is, is very good. So you can go go to to fishing in Tampa, or what I would do is, is going to to Emily Arena and and watch a game from the upcoming Stanley Cup champions. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Like all your teams <laughs> so, are winning. All your teams are winning championships now. The the Buccaneers. The, I mean, what's going yeah. on? It's a, this has got to be a new experience for you because a lot of years, a lot of years, the team wasn't very good, and now they won a Super Bowl. Did, did you stay up and watch the game? Like, were you up to watch the Super Bowl, or was that too late for you? Um, yeah, I watched the Super Bowl because we, like we played on the day. Okay. So we didn't have hard training on the next day. So I watched it and, um, yeah, I was very happy. So, so obviously we, we, we definitely need to talk about last season before you, the, I know I, I'm sure I butchered the name. I want to hear you pronounce the name, your club's name. I want to hear you pronounce it. How do you say your club's name? Greitha Firth. Greitha Firth. Uh, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to work. I was not even close. I, I knew yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I was so off. I really thought I was close. Not even. I was not even close. All right. Yeah, you were close. You were close. For were an American, close. that was close. For an American, I was yeah. close. There you go. <laughs> so, so tell me, obviously, last season, uh, such an amazing season. Uh, everything went so so well there. Uh Honestly, before the season began, not not many people were talking about Firth to, to get promoted to be to get to the Bundesliga. But I have a feeling you had a sense that it could happen. What what, what, what was the? Why do you feel like you guys did it? What, what was the key for, for your team to kind of you know overcome all the odds and beat all these big clubs, the big spending clubs, older clubs? What was the key for you guys to to, to kind of overcome all that? I think the key was um, like we have a. First of all, we have like very good players in our team, and um, we believed in us. Like how you said, not not many thought that we can we can uh, do it. Or like I think most of the people who talked about Spirit before the season that they maybe I don't know they will be on the tenth place or something like this. Um, but we as a group, we we believed in it um, even before the season. Uh, that we can do it uh, because also the season before we were like um, I, I think we, we we played a good season but like the um, the results weren't there but we always we always were better than than our opponents but we we didn't want and so this season uh, it started the same like we always were the best the best team in, in the games but we I think the first 
like the first game we tied and then we we tied again and then we lost. So it was a hard a hard start, but at the end um, we did it because yeah, how I said we we had a very talented group. We we know each other for a long time and. Yeah, we have we, we have some play or we have some players who are coming from yeah from big teams like Paul Seguin. He came from from Wolfsburg, Hergota. Um, so we have players who came from top teams, and that was the key. Now, as far as when you're going to be a team the size uh, of that Firth, you have to be really good at evaluating talent, and it seems like the club has done really well. To, to identify young talent that that maybe is being overlooked or maybe isn't you know ha- was highly rated when they were younger but it, you know early in their career might have might have not kind of broken through. Is there that sense that it's a, that that you have a lot of young players who are kind of hungry to prove themselves after maybe you know early in their careers not not having that chance to break through? Is that kind of is that what you see in terms of the talent coming in there? Yeah, a little bit. I mean. Um... In my opinion, it doesn't matter what really uh, happened in the in, in the in the past. If if you're on the field, you always want to win, and that's the mentality of this group. Um, but yeah, how you said, um, there are some players who probably were overlooked in, in other teams and didn't get much playing time there. And um, now we were all together and, and showed showed everybody that. Um, we have a we have a great team, and I think at the end we we deserve the the promotion. And um, now now it starts in the Bundesliga, and um, yeah, we want to keep continue the, the the good way. Now, take me back a bit to when you first joined uh, Firth. How, how how did that kind of process happen? I know you know you leave you leave Bayern, and, and you you kind of made some moves, but then you end up at Firth. How, how did that that how did that deal kind of come come together? Um, yeah, how you, how you said I, w- I was um, for the first time I was was away from Bayern was Hamburg when I was on loan and then I went back to to Bayern and then I yeah went to Stuttgart and um, um, also got promoted with Stuttgart into the Bundesliga but um, then I I didn't have the feeling that I yeah get enough playing time so. Um, yeah, the, fun, the funny thing about it is that it was like a, I think two two days before the transfer window uh, closed. Um, the funny thing is that uh, there was uh, I played with one player at Stuttgart. I don't want to tell you the name. Okay. There was a player and he he uh, he told me yeah, Greta Spirit called him. Uh, they want him on loan. I said yeah, it's good for you. Uh, and he said, "Yeah, no, but I, I don't really want to go there." And yeah, so one day later, they called me. So my first um, thought was, "Okay, but yeah, it's like a little bit that I'm like the second choice now." Right. <laughs> and, but at the end, I I told myself, "Yeah, I don't care. I want to go there. I want to play, and I will show them that I was the better choice." So I think I, um, yeah. Did it a, uh, yeah, I showed them, and that was the story how I came to fit. 
Right. Now, now before you, obviously, there were, there were a couple of uh, rough points there. Obviously, the, ham, the Hamburg loan, I remember that. That was a bit of a frustrating experience. At Stuttgart, you did get to play, um, but, you know, you didn't stay there. Uh, when you get to, to Firth, did you kind of know right away you'd, you'd made a good decision? I mean, did it feel, did it feel like, like home pretty, pretty quickly, or did it take you some time to kind of get used to, to Firth? Um, no, I had a, I had a good feeling. Like, um, the team was, was, yeah, there were a lot of young players and it was, it was very familiar there. Like, I, I didn't, I didn't know it from like the other teams, um, before, like in Fürth, something was a little bit different, like in the locker room and everything was a little bit different. Like you could, or you could feel that, that, um, that it's, yeah, of course, a little bit of a smaller club than was Hamburg or Bayern or Stuttgart. But um, from the first day on, I was I was very happy there. And um, yeah, I was on loan the first year. And then we almost uh, went down into the third league. Right. And um, yeah, then after that year, I, I signed a I think two-year deal with Fürth. And yeah, since then, I'm I've been insured. The the game that clinched promotion, obviously, that was such a dramatic day um, when you win the the game at the end of the year. How how nervous were you for that game, or did you feel pretty good that that you were going to get it done? I mean, where does that rank in terms of games for you? Because there was so much on the line in that game. Uh, and then you guys come through and, you know, overcome the red card? Because, I mean, when that red card happens, it's looking a little, you know, it's not looking too too great at that point. But you guys kept it, yeah. you know, how were there nerves? Did you feel nerves? Because you didn't look like you. Like you, you, like you you're pretty comfortable. Um, like, uh, I can say, like, all the, also the, the, the days before, I, I had a very, very good feeling that we will do it directly. Like, I don't know why, but my feeling was, I don't know if we, we will do it. So I wasn't really nervous, of course, if, like um, before the game or hours before the game, you're always a little bit nervous. But then when the when the game started, I, I wasn't really nervous. Um, I I said to myself, <laughs> like maybe one of the, the, the biggest games you ever played because if, you, if you're winning, uh, we can go up to the Bundesliga and it's, a great feeling so um and we got the one zero and we didn't we didn't play well the first half so after the first half i thought mm, yeah it's, it's it's tough today like because we didn't play our, our best game and then we got the red card um but as soon as we were together in the in the, in the locker room and halftime like everybody said they yeah, um, we, we still believe so we will go out there and uh, we play our best and then we will do it so I don't know why there was like this this energy of um, confidence in, in the locker room so I was I was sure that we, we will do it and we we did it now in terms of your your evolution as a player obviously when you first came up uh, everyone kind of knew you as a as a forward, as a striker, more of a kind of advanced player. Now, yeah, you've kind of evolved now into a box to box midfielder. Really, come into your own as a midfielder. This year has been a perfect example of what you bring to the table with the with the goal scoring and and the ground that you cover. How, how did you kind of? How was that evolution for you 
into the position you play now and and did it take you some time to kind of adapt to that or did you did it feel like did it feel like a, a good fit pretty early on when you made the move there everybody saw me a little bit more on the wings but i always knew for myself i have no problem to play like in the center but i, I never really played it then in the in the senior level and then after yeah after stefan Lytle came um this like I, I really yeah go on another level on this position so yeah that that was it um i think that's my that's the best position for me and um yeah how i said i think the the of course the the, the coach and of course the system he want to play um was very helpful for me and um the style of playing uh so the style fit want to play um it's just yeah perfect yeah for, right. for the position and for the for the style i'm i'm, I'm playing right and you're obviously more involved in the game. You know, when you when you play further up the field, you kind of have to wait for some service. Sometimes you might not be involved in the game in this position. Now you're you're involved in the entire game, right? I mean, so that is that you kind of feel more like you have more of a control, being able to control a game in that position. Yeah, true. You have like I'm a player. I always I always want the ball. I always want um, yeah to 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 do something and. Um, so if you're a little bit deeper, or like if you play as an eight, you 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 get more usually more touches than if you play as a maybe a real ten or a striker. So um, yeah, it's a it's a perfect position for me. Now, one thing I did want to ask you about: um, you did have an experience earlier in the year for, that I heard about with, that, that you had COVID nineteen, and it was a bit of a rough go for you. And 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 just to kind of get let you know, I also had. Uh, COVID-19 and it was very rough. Yeah. I, was, I was in the hospital for a week. I had pneumonia. It was really bad, yeah. but you know, got through yeah. it. That, how tough was that experience for you? I don't know if people may, maybe were aware that, you know, you had, a, you, you had a bit of a rough go. What, what was that? What was that like for you? Just kind of dealing with that and getting over it. Yeah, it was, was very tough. Like the, the toughest, um, was when I, when I got the, when I got the call that I'm positive and I knew, Oh, Shit, we we play against um, Kiel the next game, so it was like a it was one of the more most important. Um, or no, I think Hanover were, were the first game, and then were I think Kiel. So one of the most important games um, probably in the season, and um, yeah, that was was very tough, and yeah, I didn't feel I didn't feel good like for four or five days. I was really, yeah, really sick. I was lying in the bed all the time, and um, yeah. But now I'm I'm healthy again. One good one. Another another positive I, I definitely wanted to touch on was the uh, the U.S. men's national team, and and you having a chance to to take part in your first camp uh, with Greg Berhalter. He, he obviously. You know, I had a chance to to bring you in, and I've asked. I got to tell you, I've asked Greg Berhalter about you probably like a hundred times in the last in the last couple of <laughs> years. And uh, you know, he 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 played in Germany, as you know, and I'm you know he he's been through you know the, a lot of experiences you have. But you know, it took him a while to call you. He finally calls you, you. You get into camp. What was that experience like? And 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 what's what's that relationship like? You didn't get to play in the game against Switzerland, but you did get to be in that camp. Uh, get a te- get a taste of Berhalter's setup. What what was that like for you? 
Um, yeah, first of all, the, the relationship with, with with Greg was was always good. Like even um, uh, when I didn't um, get the, the call up, so that's how I always said he's he's the he's the coach. He decides everything. So um, it's on me to to show on the field. Um, and yeah, that's it. And yeah, I got the call up against Switzerland. It was like. Uh, I think that the perfect ending after the promotion with Fürth was the perfect ending for me personally. Um, even if I I didn't play against Switzerland, just to be to be back with with, with the guys uh, to yeah to be together a couple of days and train together was like yeah was just like just just perfect and um, I really really. Love to to be with the with the national team, and um, that was my experience uh, from the last camp. Yeah, it was it was definitely great to see the pictures of you with uh, with John uh, John Brooks and DeAndre Yedlin, the, the little yeah. kind of before and afters of you know going yeah. back to, going back to that World Cup experience. Uh, who who uh, who impressed you in the May camp? Because obviously it's a different group of players, a lot of young players. Obviously, it's a, everyone talks about the generation of coming up. Um, so maybe some new faces that you hadn't seen before, but who, who impressed you, who impressed you or who kind of stood out for you that you, maybe you didn't know about or you hadn't had a chance to be around? Um, everything like, like the, the overall quality of, of, of training. Like it, when I compared it to the last time I was there, it was just different. Like the quality in training was, yeah, was just very high. Like, uh, uh, we have uh, very, very much technically good players, and um, it's very fun to train with them. And that was just uh, yeah, the biggest um, difference to to the last times I was there. Um, and yeah, you can you, know, you can feel it also in training that we have very, very good players in this country, and um, we have a. Uh, a good future ahead. In terms of uh, talking about systems and styles, I mean, I've always felt that you'd be a good fit in in the system that Greg Berhalter likes to play. Uh, now that you had a kind of camp and a chance to get a sense for what he wants to do, how he likes to play, do you kind of agree with that? Do you feel like you, you fit pretty well with with that style and that system with the four three three and the and the dual tens, dual eights? I mean, do you feel like you you could be a pretty good fit there? Yeah, one hundred percent. How I said, like the the quality was very high. We like we want to have the ball. We want to have control. Um, we yeah, we have players who are very good on the ball. Who wants the ball all the time, and that's that's my game. Um, to to play be between the lines and be dominant on the field. And I think um, that's a that's a style of of uh, play. Uh, we wanna we wanna show um, in the future and um, yeah I I saw it in training and um, we're looking forward. We have uh, Julian Green joining us from Germany and definitely thank you uh, definitely appreciate the time. Uh, one thing I everyone I'm sure you hear about all the time you get asked about all the time is the World Cup and the experience and the goal. Uh, it, it, does it feel like it's been seven seven years? I mean seven it's crazy right because you, you feel like you blinked yeah. like seven years flew by. Um, how often do you still get asked about that? And and you know what what how how many times have you watched the goal? I got to be honest. I mean, do you do you ever watch it? Or do, you, do you watch it every now and then? Uh, 
the goal how I don't I don't know how often but um like now I didn't really watch it anymore. Like like the the months after after the World Cup probably a little bit more but now um maybe sometimes when I'm on Instagram or something and um some video showing up where where I scored a goal but not on purpose that I'm um right. searching for, for <laughs> right, the goal. Right, right. But, but um, yeah, it was one of one of the the, the best experience um, in my career so far. Of course, um, just yeah, all the like like being in camp before the for the World Cup, and then of course being in Brazil, and at the end getting some playing time and 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 scoring the goal was was a huge huge moment for me and. Um, yeah, if if you if you felt this this feeling uh, once, you want to feel it again, and um, yeah, that's that's the goal. Do, do you remember sitting on the bench uh, in Brazil and and Jurgen coming to you and telling you, "Okay, you're getting it." Like, did, what, do you remember that moment when you kind of knew you're you're about to get into this game? I, I I don't really remember how it was. I think he said, "Yeah, just." warm up warm up yourself and I thought okay and um, yeah then then he said yeah you will you will come in and that's it and I was I was just happy like in this moment I was just happy to like really I, I wasn't I wasn't nervous at all because I just like before the before the before the World Cup I told myself I will do anything to like my goal is, of course, to to help the team, and um, if it's possible to to get some minutes, and um, that I got the minutes there, I was so happy, and um, and then I scored the goal, so it was was it was very nice. But um, we um, we we lost, so that was the it was the bad thing. But right. um, how is that? It was a great experience. Yeah, it's just interesting. Belgium just played uh, yesterday, so I don't know if you had a chance to watch the game. So that you know, it's just kind of funny the timing that you know it happened against Belgium. Yeah, they, yeah. Ju- they just played yesterday. So anytime you play Belgium, you kind of look at that and say, "Hey, I scored against you guys." Like uh, you know, some of the same players, obviously <laughs> Courtois. And, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Also, if, if, I, if I watch if I watch um, Belgium with my with my friends and they say, "Oh, yeah, you scored against this, this <laughs> goalkeeper." <laughs> Now, now it, as far as that that experience, the whole thing. I mean, I still remember it. You were so you were so young then. I mean, did you? Yeah. When you look back on it now, obviously you're older, you're more mature now. Um, do you kind of look back on it and think, man, I didn't know anything then? I mean, I was so young. Like I, you know, like you, you almost kind of wish you could be now, you Julian Green, going through that. Just because you, you know, when you're that young, you don't realize what what you're getting a chance to experience and. I still remember you um, in that camp and being so young. Yeah, I, I do realize what what was going on. Even if I was young, I realized what like that I I was playing the World Cup and everything. Like, of course, I realized that. But um, yeah, um, at this time, I first of all I, I was a different player because I played a different position and. I didn't really have like regular playing time um, uh, yeah, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a top league. So that was the difference. 
and then it's it's always it's always hard if you if you don't play all the time and then you suddenly um get the chance uh, to play or or get a moment to play and then you have to you have to show it like that's always um complicated um so yeah that was just that was the difference uh, to now of course now i'm more mature i'm 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 a better player now and i have more experience uh but um how i said the most important thing now is that i'm always or that i that i got my rhythm that i played all the time and um uh yeah at this at the at that time 2014 that wasn't wasn't the case but now you, now you now you did say earlier that once you've had that taste of the world cup and scoring a goal and that experience that you want it again right there's nothing like it yeah. you want to experience that again yeah. how much does that kind of drive you and and world cup qualifying is coming up uh it's coming up in september uh, obviously huge matches i know you want to be a part of that uh how, how much are you kind of how much is that kind of motivating you to get back in there and 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 be a part of those matches you actually never played in qualifiers before as far as i know like how, how much do you kind of want to ex- experience that yeah um i want to experience it very very much um and how you said it's of course it's a it's a motivation um you know you play you play the qualifiers to to um yeah to, to play in the world cup and i know how it is to play in the world cup so that's the thing what um of course motivates me and um I will give everything to to be part of it. Now, what, last thing uh, before I let you go, uh, I had a chance to t- talk to John Brooks recently, and um, he, one of the topics that that came up was him talking about the the kind of experience of being a, a, a German American player, a, American player who has the German ties. Now, you're born in the United States, you, you're American, everyone knows you're American, yeah. but there's that stigma, obviously, around players who have those ties that maybe some people yeah. don't see you as a full American. And John actually made some good points on that and how like he never felt German until he played for the U S like, or he never, yeah. he never heard that label. Like now, when you were, obviously now you're older, you're more mature, but when you were younger, were you aware of that? Did you feel that? And like, what you know, John mentioned, he thought it was really unfair that that, that kind of stigma was around you guys. Did you feel that? And do you still feel that almost? Yeah, I think like I, I can agree with, with, with John, um, because here in like when you live in Germany or when you grew up in Germany, you all, you are always the American. Like nobody said, "Oh, you're German." Or something. <laughs> right. So everybody said, "Yeah, you're 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 from America," and so it's then it's a little bit complicated if you if you go into America or if you play for a national team and and. Um, yeah, they say, oh, it's, it's those are the German players. Uh, so, yeah, it's not, it's not fair in my opinion. But um, yeah, that's all, all I can say about it. Right, right. But you, I mean, it's clear you love playing for the U.S., right? I mean, I've seen you in these games, and and, and you've said yourself how much it means to you to play for the U.S. I mean, is that yes, what, to just, what does it mean for, for me? It, it means everything. Like I. I, I just I just love I just love the the country I, I love everything about it and um, I also like even when I'm talking to my to my friends in Germany um, they always 
um, tell me, oh, you you have the chance to play for this like for this great country, and uh, I said, yeah, I'm I'm very happy for it. So that so even like I'm I'm how I said um, I didn't play against uh, Switzerland, but I'm. I was still very happy just to be back, to be back um, in camp and, and, and train with these guys. And um, yeah, I, I will be always ready, even if it's a doesn't matter if it's a friendly game, if it's a training game or a World Cup qualifier. I will always be motivated and 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 very happy to 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 go on the field and represent. The colors. We'll definitely appreciate the time, and uh, obviously, we have the Gold Cup's coming up. Uh, your name's in the mix for that. We don't know at this point if you're going to be on that team or not. Obviously, you have the big season in the Bundesliga coming up. How excited are you for the Bundesliga? I, I, I should have asked you this at the beginning, but like, how excited are you for that chance? Bundesliga back in the Bundesliga. I, I'm sure that that's meant a lot to you to get back in there and to show that you you, you that's you can play at that level and play well at that level. Yeah, I'm very excited. Very, very excited. Like uh, that was my big goal the last year to be back in the Bundesliga, and um, yeah, we reached the goal with with a special special club, a special team. So now I'm very happy to yeah to show everybody that um, me and also our club can 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 play in the Bundesliga and, and win some games. Great, great. Well, you, you, you're the Tampa guy. I'm heading to Tampa tomorrow. What one thing do I not do? I have to do while I'm in Tampa. If you if you're telling somebody that's going to Tampa, what do they? What's the one thing they absolutely need to do before they, like that they can't miss doing? Cheering, cheering for Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> I don't know if you can get tickets to that game. I don't know if you have a hookup, but uh, even even if you don't get tickets, go go in front of the Emily Arena and cheer for them. No. Um, there, like how you said, like uh, Clearwater Beach is, is very nice. Yes. Um, I love being there. So yeah. there are pretty, pretty nice beaches. So yeah, in Tampa, it's, you just just relax and exactly. <laughs> enjoy the the warm weather that's and right. um, yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a busy year with World Cup qualifying and the Gold Cup coming up. So yeah, there, there's plenty to going on, and uh, I definitely appreciate the time. And hopefully, we see each other down the road pretty soon. Yeah, if, uh, you get back in with the national team. Uh, you know, it's been great to catch up, and uh, I definitely appreciate the time. And uh, good luck no this year in the Bundesliga and getting and getting back up there. Thank you, and enjoy enjoy Tampa. And that's Julian. Uh, it's such a great, great, great chance to talk to him, and uh, you know, it's good to to kind of just catch up and. I got to say, I remember I remember being around him on that, you know, in the camp leading up to the World Cup in 2014. And, and when he kind of first broke in and he was so young, he was so young. And I tried to touch on that a little bit. And look, credit to him. He kind of like he said, look, he knew what was going on. He was aware of the situations. It wasn't like he was a babe in the woods and was completely oblivious to what what, what was going on. But still, when you're 18. I don't think you're fully aware or fully grasping the gravity of the situation that he was in and the opportunity. Um, but obviously he made the most of it when he got on the field, scored that goal. And, and, and you can hear it. You can hear it in his voice when he talked about that. And he says, you know, once you've had that taste, once you've been at the, at the world cup, at that highest level, and you score that goal, you want it again. You want that rush. You want that experience again. And I'm sure he's, he's, he's doing everything he can and he will do everything he can to put himself in position to be at the next World Cup. 
And why can't he? Right. I mean, when you look at, at how he's come along and how he's developed as a player and anyone for anyone who's had a chance to kind of watch him at Firth and the way and the style of play that Firth plays. I mean, I think he's a good fit for, for, for Greg Berhalter's system. And I feel like Ber, maybe Berhalter, I feel like maybe he sees that already. And it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Gold Cup. Obviously, it's a bit of a tough situation because none none of the teams, none of the European teams want to give up their players in preseason. They want to get ready for their seasons, and even more so for a team like Firth, getting ready for a Bundesliga campaign that it is so important to get up to a good start. It's so important not to bury yourself with losses early early on that you never can climb out of. Put yourself in a hole in the first month that you never climb out of. And as great a season as as Firth had in the in the two Bundesliga last season, Bundesliga is a whole other ballgame. And they're going to need all hands on deck. And for that reason, it, I think it it's a tough spot. It's a tough. And look, obviously, Greg Berhalter, you know, he understands, right? And he, I don't, I don't think he is just, I don't think he's just going to say, you know what, screw, screw Firth and what they need. I want to see Julian Green because I want to see what he can bring so I can have him for World Cup qualifying. I mean, that he could approach it that way. Berhalter could, could absolutely approach it that way. But then it's, again, not creating a great situation for Green in terms of the club setup. And you know what, at the end of the day, if Julian Green gets off to a good start to the Bundesliga season, right? Let's say he, you know, he has his chance to have his full preseason, starts the season in the Bundesliga, and plays well, and Firth gets off to a good start. Guess what? If you're Greg Berhalter. You're still going to bring him to World Cup qualifying in August because he's playing in the Bundesliga and playing well. He will earn his way into the World Cup qualifying mix that way. And, I mean, me personally, I hope he's part of the Gold Cup setup. I really am because I think it would be a great showcase for him. Uh, to really kind of show what he can do because you're not going to have your first choice central midfielders. You're not going to have your Weston McKinney. You're not going to have Giorena, Yunus Musa. Uh, you will have Sebastian Legette there, right? But I think it would be a great opportunity for Julian Green if he can be in the Gold Cup because I think he'll start and be a key player. But if Berhalter and Firth can't reach an, an agreement, if, if Berhalter decides, you know what, it's better if he stays We'll see how he does. If he does well, I'll bring him anyway. I'll bring him in August, late August, and have him there for the qualifiers. Maybe Berhalter makes that decision. At, we don't know. At this point, we don't know. We'll find out in a few days. Um, I haven't heard anything. I don't know anything. Just so you know, I, I'm, I, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And, you know, we, we, we're still trying to figure it out. And who knows? Maybe Greg Berhalter, Greg Berhalter hasn't made the decision yet. Here we are as we're talking. It's Monday. He still has two more days to make that final 23-man roster. And I hope Green's on it. But even if he's not on it, I still think he has a part to play and will have a part to play in World Cup qualifying. And as I said, Gold Cup roster is due this week. The uh, The deadline to submit the roster is on Wednesday. When CONCACAF will actually release the rosters, that, that's another question. That's another story. Is it Wednesday? Is it Thursday? Is it Friday? Uh, obviously, with the preliminary roster, they took a couple of days to finally get it out there. So we'll see. Hopefully, I, I tell you what, if I had my druthers, I hope they put it out Thursday because uh, definitely don't do it Friday because Friday is like, a, you know, Friday's not a day to, to, to put out ro- Gold Cup rosters because it's a kind of a you want to you want to have that news. You want it to get its attention. Friday is the day you put out stuff that that you don't <laughs> you don't want anyone to notice. That's what Friday and everyone should know this by now. If it. 
Friday's the day to, to, to release bad news. Friday's the day to release the things that you kind of hope nobody notices. Gold Cup rosters, you want people to notice. You want people to talk about. And it will be the talk of the region when the rosters come out. What kind of squad is Mexico bringing? Uh, what kind of squad is Costa Rica bringing? Honduras. Canada. Uh, you know, obviously Canada's another one, right? I mean, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David. I mean, you know, these guys, they have their... Jonathan David and Lille looking to defend their league on title. They're good. You know, you, you want him in preseason. You don't necessarily want him in the Gold Cup, especially with the octagonal starting in September. Same thing with Davies. You want Davies in preseason with Bayern Munich. So it's going to be interesting to see how these teams come together for the Gold Cup. And I obviously we're all look, looking forward to seeing the team that Greg Berhalter ultimately chooses. But we have to wait. We got to wait a couple more days and then we'll find out. Uh, I will be down in Florida with my family on quote unquote vacation. Um, <laughs> tell my wife that, uh, cause I'm sure she's going to want to punch me when she sees me on my computer over and over. But look, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. So it, it won't be a true, true, true vacation, but you know, I'll try to, I'll try to enjoy a little bit of the, of the time down in uh, Clearwater in Tampa. But, um, I think that's it that there, there is, I do have some news. And if you're still listening to the show in this little kind of Reward for you for listening this long is as you're going to get to hear a little news on for, as far as me goes, as far as me personally goes. Uh, I will be launching a new website and it will be my content. It will be my writing, my columns, my features, uh, my videos, my podcasts. Now, this podcast, the SBI show, I'm good. I'm keeping it in on the same platforms that it's on. But I will be adding uh, some more podcasts, some more episodes that will be exclusive to the new site. And it will be a subscription site. And the name of the new site is Soccer by Ibis. And I know you're going to say, wait a minute, what is SBI Soccer? Look, don't get me started. Uh, Soccer by Ibis was the original site that I launched back in 2008 uh, when I was a, a newspaper a newspaper reporter who saw the future and saw the opportunity to start something myself to showcase myself as a writer, as a columnist and, and uh, as a reporter. And uh, that's what SBI was in the beginning, in the first couple of years. And obviously, you know, from there I joined Fox soccer and then SBI became more of a, a team. Uh, you know, I built the staff and, and we had a, we had an amazing staff in those early years I mean, when you look, at, I always say I, I feel like Arsene Wenger talking about the Invincibles because we had a squad. I mean, you talk about Avi Creditor uh, at SI, running things at SI. You have, uh, you know, Travis Clark, Thomas Floyd, Adam Serrano, uh, who's over with the LA Galaxy now. You have my guy, Mike Nastry, who did video for us, who's now a producer at CBS, producer slash director at CBS, big, big time, big baller at CBS, CBS Sports, uh, doing TV work there. Uh, so many guys, so many people that came through the ranks on that dream team. And it's great. And it's SBI has been that and it continued to be that continued to be this place that develops talent. Uh, because I look, I'm at heart, I'm a teacher and I like to teach. I like to train writers and develop writers. I've loved to do that for years, but guess what folks, it's time for me to get back to doing what I do, what I feel like I do best and what I love to do. And what I feel like a lot of people want me to do, which is be a reporter, to be, to be a, 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 a creator, to be a columnist, to be, to put videos out, all that stuff. And and I've gotten away from that 
in recent years. And part of the reason was because I wasn't healthy and just physically, I just had, I just stopped doing a lot of the stuff that I used to do, but you know, I'm in a much better position now, much healthier now. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot better now. So now it's time for me to get back to that. So SBISoccer.com is not going away. Mind you, SBISoccer.com is still there. It will still be there. I'll still uh, have a part to play. It's still, I still run it. I'm still the editor in chief, but in starting in July or in, in July, I will launch this new venture, this new site, uh, bring back the re- reincarnation soccer by Ivis, which will be my exclusive content. And it will be a subscription based site. So if you enjoy my content, if you enjoy, you know, my analysis of the U S men's national team of MLS, uh, of Americans abroad, you'll be able to find it there. And that doesn't mean I'm no longer going to write anything or produce anything for SBI soccer. I still will, but I'm going to try to focus my, my, my premium stuff on the new site. And, you know, hopefully I can build that into a, a good showcase for what, you know, just to kind of get back to doing what I feel like I do best. And I've kind of gotten away from that in recent years. And, you know, hopefully we can make that, a, you know, a place that, that if you're an American soccer fan, you need to be, reading and you want to be reading. And for, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people who've followed me over the years, they, I mean, they know, they know what to expect. And, and hopefully, hopefully I can, I can kind of live up to the expectations that I'm sure are going to be there for this site. Uh, and look, it's going to, it's going to take a little time. It's going to take a little time to build it, to get it to what, where I want to be, um, where I want it to be, but I'm looking forward to it and I'm excited. And SBI soccer will, will continue to roll on. We have a, we have a, a grew a good group of, 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 of people there. And I'm going to be bringing on some new people to help kind of run it, uh, while I focus on this new venture. And look, there's going to be so much in July, so much going on in July with the gold cup, with, the Olympics and the women's national team and then world cup qualifying around the corner. So it's an exciting time. Look, It's an exciting time in American soccer. And I want to get back into it. I want to get back to, to kind of being a reporter. And I will say if one of the things from kind of my experience, you know, going through COVID and, you know, you get that when you get, when you kind of have those life shaking experiences, right. Those life shaking moments, it kind of gives you that moment of clarity. Like what should, you know, what should I be doing? What do I want to be doing? And it kind of and it kind of opened my eyes and said, you know what? I want to get back to doing what I used to do, what I did for so long, in terms of being a day to day reporter, getting out there, and getting the news, and you know what? A lot of a lot of people, a lot of people. There's a lot of good people, and a lot, and there's a lot more competition than there used to be ten years ago. I'll say that, and it's good. It's great. It's great to see. The more the merrier. The more competition, the merrier. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting back out there and really getting on the grind and getting on the beat. Because I did it for so long and I and, and I miss it. So I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get back to that. Uh, and hopefully, if you're listening, hopefully you come along for that ride. You join. Um, there'll be more details to come on that. But for now, um, I think I've shared enough. And uh, I definitely want to thank Julian Green for joining us on this episode. Uh, obviously, a, a player you're going to definitely want to keep, tra- keep tabs on this year. Because it's a big year for him. Big year for club and country, potentially for him this year. So keep tabs. And thanks for him for joining us and definitely thank you for listening uh we'll be back next week i will be back this is not a super long vacation that i'm going on and it's obviously clearly a working vacation because i've got a new site to launch and a busy july ahead so 
definitely join me for that. And thank you for listening. We'll be back. I want to say next week. And look, there'll be plenty to talk about. And hopefully I'm hoping to have an episode on Friday, uh, if if we can make it happen, yeah, I, I'm bringing the, I'm bringing the technology with me. Yeah, I'm bringing my phone. I'll record it on my phone if I have to. It won't sound as good as this. This is my home setup, my uh, Rodecaster Pro, my Shure SM7B mic, which is you know makes me sound much better than I normally sound. So if the next episode sounds a little rough, I'll apologize in advance. But there's a Gold Cup roster to talk about. I'll be talking about that on Friday, more than likely. Knock on wood, unless something crazy happens and I can't pull it off, we will get it back by Monday, but I'm shooting for Friday. I'm just going to put it out there now. Friday, we will have an episode. So look out for that. But definitely thank you. Once again, thank you to Julian Green and thank you for listening this far along. And I hope you join me on the new venture. Soccer by Ivis is back. That's all for now. I'm Ivis Kalarsa. This is the SBI Show.